Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. It was a really good last call that we had to break away from because we had that hard news. But he said, basically, I'm paraphrasing here, at least my take on what he was saying is you, know, you can't blame the, the silly mistakes, the mental errors on Paul Maneri and coaching staff anyways. Although maybe you can, and I think he kind of mentioned this too, that you know this goes to development. You had these kids that are very high-level recruits that they bring over to Baton Rouge, and perhaps they're not being developed to the level they should be. I think that is a big issue with the pitchers over there. Something we'll talk about later in the week. Text from the 985, you can't blame poor base running and get picked off on third on Maneri. No, you can't. Although Maneri tried to take the blame in the post-game press conference yesterday, but that, that's just him being a good coach and trying to deflect from his players. Also, we had a text from the 985 that has said uh, a couple of things. I don't know why you and Christian even have a job. Y'all don't pay attention. You don't know baseball, bud. You've got to play the game. Well, first of all, I played the game. I also played a little bit in college. So I don't know what you're talking about here. I almost wanted to uh, – our numbers show up here. I'm going to co- start calling these numbers, and we're going to put you on the air because I, I don't like the anonymous just hate-flaming gaslighting that we see on the text line. It's just silly. Like, this person probably won't even text back. Certainly will never call in. Let's bring in Hunt Palmer of the LSU Sports Radio Network, and he's at on Twitter at HuntPalmer88. Hunt, uh, man, how you doing today? It's uh, kind of a bittersweet – not bittersweet. It's just uh, bitter. Uh, the, the pill yesterday we all had to swallow. Yeah, it, it's always a tough uh, tough day when baseball season ends. It's kind of a you know, four-month adrenaline rush, kind of in the middle of it, and always looking towards the end, and then never know what's in that day comes, but it generally comes every June. Um, six times it hasn't, but uh, came this time around in the Super Regional round, and it's, uh, it's a bit of a bummer. Uh, let's start the hunt at the back end because there's lots of discussion over the two decisions at the end of the game by Paul Maneri. Number one, to bring Devin Fontenot back in, which I had no problem with. I mean, that was the best relief appearance that I had ever seen at any level, I think, in, in, maybe ever, certainly in quite a long time. And then a decision to pitch to Mendoza and not walk him and pitch to the 340 hitter. I also didn't really have a problem with that, but I know a lot of people did. I'm in the minority there. What do you think? So in terms of bringing Fontenot back, I'm all for it. Uh, he was throwing the ball great. Uh, he, he wasn't up to 94, 95 anymore, but he was still 91, 92. That's plenty effective to get enough outs. He was throwing strikes. Uh, I was perfectly fine with that. And Hess was ready. Uh, so he had his backup plan ready to go if, if Fontenot's stuff slipped a little bit. But I was perfectly fine with Fontenot out there. He had been extended a little bit at, at times over the season, certainly not to that extent. But it wasn't like he was a one-inning you know one inning reliever all year who all of a sudden was going seven. He'd gone you know, four or five innings in the past this year, so I was perfectly fine with that. In terms of pitching to Mendoza, I understand his thinking. I wouldn't have done it. Uh, and, and for the people that are saying, well, that's their best player, well, he's their best prospect because he hits a lot of home runs. But he, he does, he's, he's not their best average hitter, and he swings and misses a ton. So I understand the thought process of we're going to try to challenge this guy, and we think that our guy can get it by him. And Fontenot lost with his best pitch. I mean, generally speaking, you think if you're going for a strikeout, you're going to try to snap a breaking ball off. But 
Fontenot's heater is his best pitch, and Mendoza got to it with two strikes. And so, no, I would have set up the force. I would have have, have walked him, but I, I totally understand what he did, and I'm willing to to accept a, a decision that was it was thought out. It wasn't just flagrantly incorrect. It's not what I would have done. But it it was uh, it ended up not working out. Yeah, and Hunt, this is where, and I I totally get this. I think this was almost a coin flip decision. The analytics say you actually walk the guy there. Traditionalists like Christian Garrick has pointed out the last couple of days say no, you pitch. Uh, excuse me, you, excuse me, reverse. You walk the guy. Uh, uh, the uh, traditionalists will say to set up the force and also pitch to the freshman. The analytics say actually to pitch to the guy. And when you have decisions that are that close, Hunt, it drives me insane with this retroactive second guessing because I guarantee you that if he had done that and then pitched to Martin and and Martin gets the game-winning hit, we would have nothing but phone calls all week long saying, wow, fire Maneri because he decided to walk to that guy and pitch to the 340 hitter. It's just I, I can't stand it, Hunt. This is very similar to to the the fan base is very similar right now to where it was with Les Miles towards the end, where there's a faction of this fan base that has essentially given up on him, uh, and he could get them back if he went and won another national title. But at this point, they're sick of it because this town doesn't really have good perspective on how hard it is to win in college baseball because the town got spoiled, and that's a great thing, and it's created an unbelievable environment in the box and. And such a great program with all this history and tradition and money and you can recruit nationally and you have expectations and you create this great environment. But when something goes wrong, they don't understand how that could happen because it's LSU and you're supposed to win the national championship every three years because we did that for, for 10 years. Well, those days are gone. Uh, and I think that the program is very healthy. I, I think it has taken a bit of a step back from a couple of years ago, but I think it's healthy. Um, this team to me never felt like – a, a national championship contender, but all of a sudden you were knocking on the door of it. That's a long way of saying it. I, I think that there's there's a faction of the fan base that realizes that LSU's in pretty good shape, but the whole fireman airy calls that you're going to get in text and stuff I get on Twitter, there's a faction of this fan base that is a little bit tired of it. And they're that, that when they get ammo, they're going to use it, and they got some last night. It's Hunt Palmer, the LSU Sports Radio Network, at Hunt Palmer 88 with us here on the last lap. And that's a great segue into what I wrote about tonight and, and why LSU fans were celebrating Mike Martin. They were trashing Paul Maneri, Hunt. Can you explain? I, I, I think the, the celebration of Mike Martin is more than worthy. I mean, it's an incredible career, one of the great coaching careers, period, uh, in this country, and especially in college, whatever sport you're talking about. But in the same breath, they trash a guy in the last 13 years that has a better resume than Mike Martin. I just don't quite get that, Hunt. I just don't. Well, there's your perspective. Florida State fans know how hard it is to win and, and get to, to, to win a national championship. Go ask TCU fans. Jim Slosnagel is an unbelievable program. They've had no success in Omaha. Dan McDonald at Louisville has had an unbelievable program for the last eight or nine years and hasn't done anything in Omaha. Kevin O'Sullivan has run out five billion first-round picks at Florida. He's won one. Paul Maneri's won as many games as all those guys over the last five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years. But when you come up short in Baton Rouge, that's unacceptable because they believe that this that you should just throw the jersey on and that'll get you to Omaha and then you're supposed to go win it every two or three years. That's just the way this fan base thinks. And the passion is awesome and it creates uh, it creates the program, but it creates a little bit of irrational thought at times. And it, look. No, Mike Martin is a legend in college baseball and has an unbelievable career. Am I thrilled for him today? No, I'm not because my team's not there anymore. But uh, it, he's 
He's got one more swing at it, and that'll sure be a national story. Yeah, I'll be rooting for him. And Coach Maneri said he'll be rooting for him over in Omaha this next week. Um, Hunt, the development of the players is something that's come up a lot, not just today, but, of course, the last really couple of seasons, especially the pitching staff. Do you think that um, Dunn is safe? Do you think that they'll make changes in the staff now that they had really this back-to-back disappointing years? I would be shocked if they made a change. Um, and everyone keeps – talking about getting a hitting coach and the way this thing is structured right now that's not possible because you have two paid assistants in this deal and Dunn's not going anywhere he's the pitching coach Maneri trusts him Maneri loves him and he's developed some really good pitching staffs over the years and the second staff position right now that's paid is Nolan Kane he's not a hitting coach he's not a pitching coach but he's the recruiting coordinator who stocks the shelves and Paul Maneri trusts him to do that. He had the number one class in the country entering this year, another strong class this year, and he trusts him to do that. So in this situation, there's not room for a paid assistant hitting coach. So he's going to take volunteer assistants who collect their money th- mainly through the camps that they put on, and that's the way he structured the staff. And if you disagree with that, I'm totally – on board with that. I think that that's reasonable to say you need to go get a hitting coach who can also recruit. I, I would I would have a hard time arguing against that, but I don't think there will be any changes to the staff this coming year, especially not in terms of Alan Dunn and Nolan Kane. Uh, so for Alan Dunn specifically, and this is what we see on, on our station and our shows here, Punt, almost every day when we're um, talking about LSU baseball, the lack of development by these top flight pitchers over the last three years since Dunn has been there. Where do do you blame that on? Is it just bad luck with the injuries or what is it? There is some bad luck with the injuries. And that's, I'm perfectly comfortable talking about right and wrong with decisions on when to hit and run or when to pull a pitcher or who to pitch to like Mendoza in terms of a throwing program and pitching injuries and who can pitch when and who can, who's too sore to pitch and who needs to sit a weekend. I don't, I don't know anything about that. I just, I don't understand why all these pitchers are having this arm soreness and it's just, it's wrecked two seasons now. And so I I don't know, Um, but they definitely need to evaluate what they're doing. And it's not just an LSU problem. Look, Auburn's top two guys this year, one had Tommy John and one missed a month. And you had a guy, Georgia, that went down Oklahoma state, uh, um, Oregon state's ace, Abel, who really guided him to the national championship last year, had to be shut down for Tommy John. Like, this stuff happens. And then there's a travel ball component to these pitchers throwing a ton of innings when they're really young. I don't have the answer to that. Um, But I do see where you're coming from in terms of the pitching development. You had guys like Alex Lang who, you know, and Aaron Nola who became stars at this level. Um, And Kevin Gaussman was awesome. And Anthony Rado was awesome. And there have been some really good pitchers that have developed in this program. I think Matthew Beck has made some great strides and become a better pitcher. I think Devin Fontenot has made some strides. But uh, you can look at some guys and say, well, they never – Zach Hess didn't become a, a better pitcher when he when he went through his three years at LSU. And then you, you talk about the arm injuries. It's it's worth talking about, but I still think Alan Dunn is a, is a pretty good pitching coach. That's great stuff here. Hunt Palmer, again, LSU Sports Radio Network at Hunt Palmer 88. Hunt, always appreciate the chats, man. Wish we were, wish we were going to be talking about Omaha, but we're not. So we'll talk to you during football season. But sounds good. We'll do it then. Thanks. All right, Hunt Palmer. There he goes. Uh, let's go to the phone lines. Carl, who was talking to us before the bottom of the hour, hard break. He had a little bit more he wanted to give us here. Carl, what's going on? Yes, yeah, what I wanted to say was I ain't bashing that program because I'm an LSU guy, but 
I mean, if you look, if you put things in perspective, two things. He should have, he should have put Mandos on first. That's one thing. The second thing is, is that he shouldn't have threw a fastball at Mendoza. He should have threw a changeup. And he threw a fastball. That's Allen Dunn. Now, I wouldn't have threw a fastball because he was sitting on that fastball. He kept giving him to giving him to him, giving him to him. And he was, he was getting close. And then let him think he's going to get a fastball, throw him a changeup. Okay. Anyway, that being said, the last three teams that won uh, the, the regional at LSU, the Super Regional, they all won the national championship. Yeah. So you know that's not that's not to say they 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 had they beat some good LSU teams those three teams and those three teams were excellent teams. So you put things in perspective, it ain't so bad. You know what I'm saying? No, it, it's. Gotta, go ahead, Carl. You just got to weather the storm right now. That's all. Yeah. Like anything else in life. Yeah, I agree. Appreciate you listening. You're on I-12, Carl. Uh, no, I'm in my drive right now. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, hey, thanks for hanging out in your car and listening to the show. Oh, really man, I, listen, I listen to you all the time, man. You got a great show. Hey, appreciate it, Carl. Have, have yourself a great night. That's Carl uh, on, on I-12. Well, not on I-12, in his driveway now. We're going to take a break. When we come back, update on the NBA Finals. And Christian Garrick was calling. He wanted to clap back at a texture that we had that got me fired up, too. That should be interesting. Well, last lap continuing here on WWL. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ucalypt speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023.